Hello, Michelle Laurie here. It's no secret that Australia's property market is out of control these days, but I, for one, can't seem to stop following along. I've become a bit obsessed with it, to be honest. What's up, what's down, and who on earth is paying those prices for those houses? So I want to personally recommend a podcast for you. It's called Real Property. It'll keep you across the latest information on the Australian property market in a clear and easy-to-digest way. Real Property, building a community of more informed property buyers. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, ATC listeners. We wanted to talk to you about a podcast that Michelle and I have been listening to. Have you ever wondered if there's a dark side to your neighbour? The cashier at the supermarket? The delivery driver? The person that sleeps behind you? God forbid. They Walk Among Us is a UK podcast that's really popular and a lot of you will probably be familiar with it and they delve into UK cases that are scarily close to home and it explores both lesser known crimes and I know that I really enjoy listening to those kind of episodes committed by seemingly ordinary people along with examining the infamous cases that are splashed across headlines and that are quite well known but they put a different spin on it. The award-winning podcast has been praised by The Guardian, which called the show a cult hit. The Financial Times referred to it as sharply written. And The Evening Standard applauded They Walk Among Us and its expertly understated storytelling. You can listen to They Walk Among Us now on Acast or anywhere you get your podcasts. Here's a clip from one of their episodes. Torrential rainfall had caused flash floods along the coastal cliff road in Sulcombe, South Devon. Once there was a break in the clouds on that remarkably wet summer day, holidaygoers seized the opportunity to make the most of their vacation. It was around 5pm on Sunday, June 27, 2021 when Charlotte Rowlings and her family left the beach and returned to the cottage where they were staying. The clothes designer was walking along the footpath by Bennett Road with her partner and parents when Charlotte's mother noticed something unusual. She later said, My mum looked over the wall and saw women's clothing. She said she thought it was a mannequin My dad also commented it smelt like a dead badger. I saw what looked like a lady lying at the bottom of the steps. I saw a hand and immediately thought it was not a mannequin. It was a dead body, and her neck was at a funny angle, and I thought it may have been broken. There was nothing we could do for her. She was clearly dead. Charlotte immediately called 999. Oh, go ahead, caller. What's your emergency? Um, I just found a body. Right, okay. A, a, a body, is it? Are they breathing? No, they're dead. They look like they've um, possibly been there like a few days or something. It's the right. and stuff. Right, okay. Bear me a second. Let's pop this on. What's the road? Yeah, what road are you on? Um, I'm in Salcombe. You're in Salcombe, um, sorry. Let me have a look. I can populate, hopefully, where you are. So, um, Bennett Road, are you quite near the harbour? Welcome to Season 7, Episode 45 of They Walk Among Us. 
a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. While the witnesses patiently waited for help to arrive, other members of the public began looking over the wall, and Charlotte Rollins was surprised that no one had seen the body before. When emergency responders and police officers appeared, they cordoned off the area. While attending to the body, they immediately realised the head was missing, was certain they were looking at a murder victim. A few hours later, pathologist Dr. Deborah Cook arrived on site to examine the remains. The victim was wearing a multicoloured pattern dress beneath a black Marks and Spencer quilted jacket. Inside her pocket, investigators found a plastic wallet, an Oyster public transport cart, and business cards for a GP, a dentist and an evangelical church. Other interesting artefacts that could lead to uncovering the woman's identity or maybe the killer's were small pieces of paper inscribed with biblical quotes. On the victim's feet were strappy sandals. The handle of a purple handbag was looped inside one of them. Inside the bag, officers found a camera, some orange rope and a tote bag. Upon initial inspection, pathologist Dr. Cook would describe the state of the remains. She said, It was apparent that the head and at least the first two bones that form the spine, that is the first and second cervical vertebrae, were absent. It would later be confirmed the larynx was also missing. The victim's body was taken to the mortuary the following day for a post-mortem. The remains were significantly decomposed, so it was difficult to ascertain an exact cause of death, but the pathologist did find injuries to the body, including multiple rib fractures and cuts to the torso. As investigators had searched the scene for more evidence, the victim's head was discovered 30 feet away in the undergrowth on July 1st. The pathologist would identify more evidence of an assault, including a skull fracture, suggesting a significant impact by a blunt object shortly before death. There were more concerning findings the woman's head was also defleshed. As the victim had been wearing a headband, it was unlikely the damage was caused by animal predation. It seemed as though an individual with some level of skill using a blade had meticulously removed the woman's head from her body after death. Eventually, the woman was identified as 67-year-old Mi Quen Chong, who was reported missing from her Wembley home by her lodger on June 11th. This was over 250 miles away. Detective Superintendent Ben Deere from the Devon and Cornwall Constabulary said, The investigation is ongoing at the scene. It's being treated as unexplained at this time, 
and we remain open-minded. I would appeal to anyone um, that understands or knows the movements uh, between the 10th of June and the tw- in London and uh, the lady being discovered on the 27th of June in Sulcombe. So hotel workers, B&B workers, self-catering, whoever it may be, just anyone to come forward. Malaysian-born Mi Kuen Chong, known to many as Deborah, had lived in the Wembley area for 20 years. A devout Christian, she was a member of the Emmanuel Evangelical Church in Edgware, London, and attended services in Manor Park Crescent. After hearing of Deborah's death, one neighbour described her as eccentric, religious and pleasant Explaining that Deborah had never gone missing before, he said, She doesn't go away at all. You wonder how someone who was struggling to walk managed to get down to Devon. Finding out about the manner in which she was found is scary, not knowing whether that happened here or there or what. I understand the police have to keep things quiet but to not know what happened to a neighbour is scary. A local student who was part of Deborah's church described her as vulnerable. 21-year-old Simeon Gittings had met Deborah at the Emmanuel Church a year earlier. He said, She was very curious and inquisitive about things. She always used to ask a lot of questions, a bit like a baby but in a really sweet way, if that makes sense. I think because of that, she was a very lonely lady. I know she lived by herself, and she didn't really have many friends. She was always nice, but I think people didn't want to get very close to her. She was a very vulnerable person. You could tell because she was very innocent and very trusting of people. When I read it, it upset myself and my family because we know that it wouldn't have been hard to lure her anywhere, especially because she was a Christian. All you'd really have to say is, oh, I'm a Christian, let's have a Bible study. She was so eager to learn and so eager to find out more. Deborah Chong lived in a two-story house in Wembley and often allowed lodgers to stay with her for little or no money. She was perceived as vulnerable due to ongoing struggles with her mental health, and just two days before she went missing, her lodger David Klein had requested Deborah receive help from a carer. In March 2021, She was referred to the Brent Community Mental Health Team by the Fixated Threat Assessment Centre at Buckingham Palace. Consultant psychiatrist Dr Alison Callan from the Brent team later said, A referral was made when Deborah sent a number of letters addressed to Prince Charles and Boris Johnson. The contents of the letters contained nothing alarming, but they were bizarre suggesting she was having another episode of mental illness. Deborah had been admitted to a mental health unit in 2017. 
after coming to believe that she could communicate with Prince Charles through YouTube. She was prescribed antipsychotic medication to treat schizophrenia. Ira Khan, Deborah's next-door neighbour, spoke of how they would exchange messages on WhatsApp. Deborah often described how important religion was to her. Ira had last seen Deborah on the street where they lived on June 9th. Deborah did not seem like herself and needed assistance to walk. Ira said, She had messaged me about a lady called Gemma, who was an osteopath and spiritual healer who was helping her. She had told me that she was being healed by Gemma and by Jesus. After going through her phone and text messages, investigators began contacting people who regularly communicated with Deborah Chong. They found numerous messages from a woman named Gemma Mitchell. Mitchell was born in Australia in July 1984. Her parents had moved there for work a few years earlier from the UK and Mitchell's mother was employed at the British Foreign Office. Her parents' marriage ended in divorce a couple of years later, so Mitchell, her sister and their mother Hilary Collard moved back to London. After completing secondary school, Mitchell began studying human sciences at King's College London in 2004 and graduated with first-class honours. She subsequently completed a degree course at the British School of Osteopathy and moved to Australia, where she practised as an osteopath for around seven years. After returning to London in 2015, Gemma Mitchell moved into the family home on Brondesbury Park with her mother. The house had been purchased by Mitchell's grandmother decades before, and Mitchell had inherited the property. The mother and daughter decided to renovate the building and add a third story to the home. They ended up paying over £230,000 to two different contractors. One went bankrupt after receiving £130,000. The other ceased working when they weren't paid more than £100,000. This left the property in a perpetual state of disrepair. It was missing a roof and covered in scaffolding. Gemma Mitchell did not register with the General Osteopathic Council upon her return to the UK, so she was not allowed to legally practice as an osteopath in the country. In 2018, Mitchell was fully immersed in the evangelical community and it was at a Christian conference in London that same year. She met 18-year-old Karen Juritek. Karen and Mitchell developed a friendship, however it eventually soured. Karen told a reporter for the Sunday Mirror, We were quite close friends. I would say best friends. We would call and talk every day. We ended our friendship because she tried to steal my boyfriend. She's a nice person, 
but there was something extremely weird about her. All she wanted to do was talk about Jesus and the devil. She was obsessed with the Bible. She wanted to read it to me all the time or for me to read it to her. While they were friends, Karen had witnessed Mitchell tell the pastor at an evangelical service in North London that she wanted to be exorcised. Karen described how Mitchell began shouting and shaking when the pastor placed his hands on her head, and then she fell to the floor. Karen said, It was like something out of a horror film. What I saw completely freaked me out. She asked for everyone to pray for her and heal her, but when she started screaming, people were shocked.' 